1: TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL,
0: America's fastest-growing TV brand.
2: Hockey! Yeah! Yeah.
0: My favorite. It's Judd's Hockey Show. Alright, welcome to Judd's Hockey Show. Zolgad, Declan Goff, um, a bad hockey team, but yet Declan. So much excitement wrapped up around this club, which uh, actually came back in, in the most predictable wild fashion of all time. Of course, when the chips were completely down, rallied to win Sunday afternoon against uh, the Montreal Canadiens at the X, where it was not sold out for the first time in a long time. Uh, Where do you want to start here? Because I feel like there's so many places to start. Uh, There's, you know, the Zucker stuff. There's the state of this team. Uh, I also think a third component here is the reality of this team, too, which I, I don't know if people are confused about that. There seems to be a lot of pushback and a lot of fight as if we're talking about a team that might make the playoffs now. I mean, I've seen nothing in, in the, the two-in-six start, and we're taping this on Tuesday, the Wild plays the Oilers uh, tonight at the X, so, uh, but I've seen nothing in these first eight games to give me, uh, well, they might make a playoff push now. Where would you like to start with things
2: though? Yeah, let's just start with, I think, the state of the team and the perception of it right now. and. You know they had their probably their best win of the season on Sunday against against Montreal for the second time. Mm-hmm. And they had a comeback. They they played they played pretty well. Dubnick looked the part for the first time all season. That's great. And you know on the heels of the Zucker comment and with everything that happened and with the way Jason played in the game, I think there might be a small little perception where people woke back up and said, well, maybe this is it. And you know what? Maybe the guys in the locker room also believe maybe this is it. Maybe this is time we can get it righted around. And look, I, for the sanity of us, our, our podcast, and just for watching all these games this year, I do want to see them win. Obviously, I don't want to see them lose 82 games in a row. I know that's a Zolgad plan, but I do want to see them actually pull off some nice wins here and there, and I want to see young players step up and have good moments where I can say this person's part of the future. Um, but let's not kid ourselves here. I mean, the, the goal scoring is still going to be very tough with the way the Wild just play. I mean, look how that Zucker tip slap shot. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love those are a hockey nerd's dream kind of goal. Rami Makhlouf will never understand it, but those are the kind of goals sure. that I love to see. Mm-hmm. But that's how you're going to have to score because they don't have anyone that can go to the net. They don't have any finisher in front. That's going to that's gonna be their offense is collapse from the point and looking for bodies in front. And, and I just don't think the way the Wild are constructed as a whole that's gonna be a good recipe for success for them on an offensive side.
0: They've got no snipers, basically. Right. That's correct. true. Correct. They have got they've got defensemen who who can definitely get the puck to the net. They've got guys who can clog up the lanes, and as you just said, it can go off their ass, their breezer, mm-hmm. their their stick. Uh all right. So let's sort of put things in context too. And let's start with and we actually talked about this last week, but the Zucker comments in Montreal. Okay. All right. I saw those comments, and he said, Bruce has to be better. We all do. And I said what the national media said, which was, hold on a second here. Blaming your coach is really weird. Naming your coach. Forget blaming. That's too strong. Naming your coach is weird. Um. It also, to me, if I'm Bill Guerin and I've been in rooms, and I mean, this guy was a captain type of guy, he was a really good room guy, I say instantly, Whoa, 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 this isn't good. This is going to be a long year. We can't have that. Sure. That doesn't work. If, you know what? If the players want to call, uh, if they want to close the locker room after games and meet, do I think they're delusional? I do Judd Zolget absolutely does. You're you're not going to win. It doesn't matter. But you know what? If that's what my if I'm Garen and my guys do that, I'm like, okay, yeah, that's normal. Yeah. Uh. But when you come out of that, the message has to be we all need to do better. Not not naming a head coach. Correct. Who's been to the playoffs more times than you will ever go. Uh. But that being said, on Saturday, then Jason apologized, so it was done. But this defense of Jason, it, it's it's almost snow-like. And it's almost like the people that defend him go so far over the top and don't see the faults there. Like, there's a conversation on all of these players to be had. But, folks, nobody's untouchable. Nobody's off the market. Paul Fenton, for as flawed as Paul was, and my goodness was he flawed, Paul Fenton tried to trade this guy twice. Do you think he just did it because, well, you know, it would be fun to trade a guy that might score some goals? No, he did it for a reason. And Bill Guerin will probably do the exact same thing. And if the Twins shop snow in November or, de- or December, I'm not going to be surprised. Right. If he gets traded, you're not going to come back to me and be like, how could they trade him? i I don't know. I don't know. I don't get it. This is pro sports. So what Jason did was wrong. Jason apologized. All of the other stuff is just noise here. But that doesn't mean that this is going to be a decent team. And it is incredibly, and if you don't understand this, I don't know how to help you. It's incredibly wild like then to come back and win that next oh, game and Zucker has what? A like goal a and assist. If I look, if you could have J- if Bruce Boudreaux could get Jason P.O.'d after every single game or before a game, he would do it because when the guy's PO'd or slightly or or something's gone wrong, he's really really good. And when he's not, he misses the net. But this doesn't mean that this team is going to be good. It doesn't mean it means that they, this team is this team. And that is a club that is going to scuffle, it's going to struggle. They're going to play on Tuesday night the Oilers, who, by the way, I love. Complete Connor McDavid guy. Yep. Completely. Dry sidle's great. And if you think about the speed of that team, and go to that game. If you could go to if you watch that game, you tell me because the Oilers are a 2019 20 Declan hockey team. Like they're built on speed. Same as as the Wolves are now. They're not built for this, but they're going to try and shoot threes, right? Yeah, Because that's 2019-20 in the NBA. Uh, watch that speed that the Oilers have on the Wild's home ice against the Wild. They're not going to be able, and I'm not saying they can't score a few fluky goals and win a game, but they're not going to be able throughout the most of that game to keep up. Yeah. So that's just your reality here. Like, I, the whole Zucker thing and, all of, and the start, it's the reality. Yeah. Now what you have to do is decide what's what. And Bill Garrett has to be allowed to make any moves of anybody that he can move that he doesn't like. And Correct. that's his and you if you're a wild fan, the only person that you should be a fan of right now, throw away your jerseys. Don't get new ones for now, unless you get a Capersoff, Don't get new ones for now. And the only person that you should be a fan of right now is one guy. That's Billy Garrett. Yeah. He's your hope, folks. There's no player on that roster currently who's your hope. Jared Spurs a nice player. He ain't your hope. Right. Matthew Dumba, I like him a lot. I don't think he's your hope. I think your hope is probably Kaprasov, an unknown draft pick, and the guy who's going to sign
2: Kaprasov, hopefully for his sake, and make that draft pick, and that's Bill Gannon. Right. And if you're just looking at the eye test of what Edmonton's going to bring on Tuesday night, obviously we're recording pre the, before the game, but... The eye test is going to be that this team is what you want to be. You want to be fast. You want to have star power. You want to be able to market yourself as a fun team to watch for the fans. And I'm sure, even though the sellout streak actually ended on Sunday after 300-some games, um, this place will probably hopefully be packed tonight wanting to watch the other good hockey team in the Edmonton Oilers. And regarding Jason, I mean, the fact that he apologized for this, yes, that is at the end of the day, that is a story. That's something... To talk about that's something worth talking about, and with this team being so poor to start the season, it kind of was a breath of fresh air that read it it made us talk about them again. And even if you want to pick fights with, well, you're you're irrationally talking about this team in a negative way, well, then that's the player's fault, and if you wouldn't have said that, I wouldn't have said anything. But the player shot himself in the foot, and he apologized for it. We're moving on from it. I think Jason's moved on from it. I know Bruce Boudreaux has moved on from it, and that's fine. We're still going to watch this hockey team. That doesn't mean we can't be puzzled by the fact that a player just did this.
0: Well, and this is going to be an entire year, almost certainly, of talking about what's wrong here and how to, to fix it and is Kaprasov coming and who the potential, let's say, top five picks are. Like this is not if you are a wild fan and you just want good good news then I would just basically stop with yeah, everything for this year. I would no yeah, I'd follow team. <laughs> go follow the Oilers. Go follow yeah. and that that's just a fact. If you if you want sunshine and if you like this group of players, bail out now folks cuz they're going to be gone. They're not stay- the only guys who are staying here are the guys who have ironclad contracts. You know, Koivu, last year of his contract. He ain't coming back. You think Bill Garrett's up there saying, how can I re-sign number nine? You know, that was Chuck fell in love, as a lot of guys do. Chuck fell in love with Chuck's guys. But these ain't Billy's guys. And so this whole thing is going to be topsy-turvy, trades made, you know. I go back to, and again, I feel bad for him. But watching Eric Stahl, watching Eric Stahl right now, and at his age and his decline, I don't know, it, it improves a lot, Declan. It's tough, and... and this is not ripping him. This is from a 1,000-foot uh, view of, man, this is difficult to watch. Right. You know, he, he scored 42 goals two years ago, and the, the rapidness of the decline, because you knew there was a decline coming. For sure. But it surprised even me. It surprised
2: me. Right. And I think what's disappointed me is not even just the veterans and the, hand, and the ironclad contracts, which we already knew that was going in. I think it, so far it's either the lack of the usage of the younger kids and or just those younger kids – not particularly playing very well, and like I I just kind of said, they're not really putting in a position to get a lot of minutes and be in big-time moments, and I think as the season wears on, we're going to start seeing those guys get more big-time minutes, but Kevin Fiala right now is a disaster. It's Diet Thomas Vanek all over again, except for this guy's young, and he doesn't have a shot. And he's banged up now. And and now he's banged up, and Joel Oksonek is banged up, Victor Rask is banged up, so now, by default, Younger kids are going to have to play more because there's there's injuries to the to the main roster. But that's been the most disappointing part for us is or for me is the fact that the younger kids. You knew that if the Wild had any hope of making the playoffs and or being a watchable team was some of these younger kids have to step up. Right. And so far, Joel Eriksson has been the best place by default, and now he's out. So that that's that's basically where where I'm at too with the state. I got to be honest. In my opinion,
0: though, just personally, it doesn't. Uh, bug me one bit because I want these kids to play. I think these kids need to play, and the reality is, if they're going to bottom out, just do it. That's mm-hmm. fine. Like if they can't play, if Ryan Donato is not that good, okay, I got a year to find out. That's the beauty to me. There's no, there's no. Oh, Donato's not playing well, and that's going to potentially cost you a playoff spot, and so you can't play. No, keep playing them. Keep yeah. playing them more. I don't. No, you you've got a year. You here's the one thing that we know about this group of young kids, nobody right now in their life is dynamic enough to carry you. Like mm. we know that that's crystal clear. So now the question becomes, okay, let's put them in situations that they might be slightly uncomfortable in to see what they can do. And if they are awful, then they're probably gone. If Fiala can't play, but I, I think you, yeah. you talked about this on Judd's hockey podcast last week. It's a bridge deal. Yeah. It's not that big of a deal. It's not like you sign them to a five-year contract. Correct. So, I don't see a downside here because you're going to be crappy. Mm-hmm. You're going to allow the kids to either thrive or they're going to struggle, and they might struggle themselves right to Iowa or, I don't know, Calgary. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, But that's, that's the beauty of this year is the ability for Billy Guerin to basically sit there and say, what do I have? And then, you know what? Again, if, and I, I said if, you get Kaprasov here, a high draft pick here, and then, you know, let's say Greenway thrives in, in that environment with those guys because they might be dynamic. That's a game changer. But to me, this is all about a luxury of being bad enough that you have plenty of time to, to decide, which is, again, why I am big on don't scratch people. Don't act like don't, don't. I call it milking wins. Don't try and milk wins. You don't need wins. What you need is knowledge, knowledge of what you have. You know, and you know what your veterans can or can't do, and you really don't care.
2: And I think that's why I asked Greg uh, Wyshynski, which we'll hear later here in the podcast from ESPN, which was gracious enough to come on the pod with us, you know, do they really even need to sell off? I think there are going to be some players that will probably flirt at the deadline. I, I think Brodine might be one of them. I even think Devin Dubnik might be one of them. Uh, if Miko Koivu can waive his trade clause, that also might be another player. But the way they're constructed right now, I mean, they, don't, they don't need to get rid of anyone to be bad. And like you said with Bruce Boudreaux, I think that's the intriguing part is this guy can win and this guy deserves a better result. And if you were to fire him, well, I think you're really packing it in then that you are punting on this season and you're putting yourself in position to draft high.
0: I would go to Bruce, though, and I would tell Bruce, if I was Garen, I would say, play the kids. Just play the kids. You are part of of this because here's the thing. I think Bruce is a good coach and yes he might win to your point too much but the other thing is he also has a level of professionalism that's important to me mm-hmm. and so what I would do is I would say Bruce I need you to play the kids a lot those are the most important players now if you want to quit that's different but if you if you want a chance to be part of this what we you know you me everybody else needs to do is see what we have here and because if you go to an in- interim coach or a fly-by-night deal that comes in and you're just bad, does that help you? But if you can be bad with a good coach who gets it, who can identify and say, because Bruce is smart enough to look at probably Fiala, Greenway, Cunning, Donato, and be like, that kid can play, that kid can play, that kid can't play. play. Right. I want that knowledge. Yeah. I wanna be. I want to be, if this makes sense, professional losers. I want to be professional about it, but you can lose. Again, don't milk wins. Correct. Don't play somebody on a power play who's 37 years old a little bit more because he might tip a puck in. If I'm Billy Guerin, I don't care about that. And that's what this all goes back to. But, yeah, I think that there is still – I think as we get to the 10-game mark, there is among probably players as well and – actually among the guy who owns this team as well, there might be an unrealistic expectation of oh this team can still turn things around. You don't want to at this Correct. point. And I don't think you can. I mean we saw enough. Pittsburgh here, right? Montreal there. Toronto there. Colorado. I mean did just, you see yeah. did you see what Toronto did to oh, you? That was so
2: much fun like to watch that's, just, that's just the from in, Toronto.
0: Oh absolutely. Right. But that's the league now, Declan. Yeah. That's the league. That's what you're competing with. Yeah. You're competing with that. You can't compete with that. So don't give me a Sunday afternoon home win against (laughs) an average Montreal team as, oh, it might be okay. No, when I present you with the best teams and the best players, you can't counter them. You have no way to. And the only way that you're going to get there is the draft, talent that you eventually can get up here, which is going to take some time to cultivate, and that young group if they improve and, and then can be put on
2: lines long-term, that makes sense for them. And the free agency is meant in all sports to supplement your roster. So that means developing your players, yep. getting high draft picks, making sure your window is open, attacking. And right now, I mean, I don't see, even with the Wild having those bridge deals as younger players, I don't see them uh, being big spenders in the next two free agencies. But, but they can be complimentary moves, kind of like what they did with bringing in a Ryan Hartman, who actually has been fine. Like he's been fine, outside of a boneheaded dumb things in Toronto and against Donato. Outside of that, I really think I've, I've liked him, and Bruce has put him in some really but the Zuccarello
0: big, contract still makes zero, yeah, sense zero sense.
2: And that's that's again the the boneheadedness of this team of thinking they still could win. Um, briefly, before I get an interview with Shin, with Greg Wasinski, I do have a Kirill off update. Oh yeah, sorry, but here's the issue. Yeah, what's it's wrong? Not a good update.
0: What what happened? Scoreless? He
2: is out for week to week right now with an injury. No, what's wrong? I believe it's LBI? lower body. I believe it's LBI. UBI. I think it's lower. And LBI. I mean, we call but it, the, I, I think that, maybe it, it. I think those legs are just so much so tired from running up and down the ice and, and tearing it up in the KHL. But he's week to week. I don't think it's too much of a concern. And to be honest, we're still. Are what, you sure about this? Eleven. Yeah. Have you done, yeah, I, have you done I, your this is, due diligence? This is not just me, you know, speculating on on Russia. Not like anyone ever's ever done that in this country or anything. So, so this is just me R- the telling Russian you. what's important. Yes, it is that. And I want. I said this on Score North. I want this to be Vladimir Putin's favorite team. Let's get him his own suite, for God's sakes. I don't care. Whatever it takes to get Cappers off over here. But we're 11 months from it, so if this is a week-to-week injury, or even this is a significant injury, it's plenty of time. I wouldn't fret about this if you're a Wild fan. It's going to be okay.
0: All right. Next week, let's do this. Okay. Next week, let's start doing some type of the top prospect report, too. Okay, yeah. The top draft-eligible prospects, okay? Because yeah. I want to know uh, on a week-to-week basis, and so do uh, the uh, the listeners to Judd's Hockey Podcast as well. I want to know who might be here next year because hopefully it's Kaprasov, his center, right? Yeah. Who supposedly is a free agent and wants to sign? Yeah. in the states. He he was he, he NHL? was okay. te-
2: technically drafted by Colorado, but he no longer his rights okay. are no longer owned by my. All right, them, and then let's start
0: with you to do a week by week build up okay. top prospects. Let's okay. update them. Let, I like, let's that. know what's going on because I think that this is a I think what what I've heard is deep draft. But not one star, sure. is that
2: correct? I think that's kind of the assumption too. But if, and if I'm the Wild, I'm shooting for number one. Like I, 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 I number one overall pick or bust. And and knowing Minnesota draft well, yeah, lottery I results. yeah, I want that too. But that's what I want. I don't want anything. I don't want. Any, I don't want two, three, or four, wait, or five. You know I want you, one. Do you know where you live? Yeah, I, I know. Why do you think? Maybe I've been tainted by the wild perception. Okay, maybe I'm, I'm buying in too much to something. You know how real. many? Do
0: you know how many? How much uh, percentage you need to get that top pick? Do you know how bad your team <sighs> has to be? Bad. Are you okay? Are you willing to forfeit those? Oh, feel good victories in February.
2: I, I will want when to, I, get there. I want you to be willing I, to forfeit I guess, those sports, Dad. I'll get there. I, I want you to there. forfeit those, son. All right. All right. Show me a lesson.
0: All right. Uh, we we also caught up with Greg Wyshynski of ESPN. ESPN.com. He does a fantastic job. Um, he, of course, was among the people tweeting about Jason Zucker's decision to um, identify Coach Bruce Boudreaux as having to play better. But we didn't start with that. We asked Wyshynski off the bat about the state of the wild, and here's what he had to say. There's nothing like watching wild hockey live and in person at XL Energy Center. The sound of the puck on the boards, the excitement of the stands, and fans cheering on their favorite hockey team. Tickets remain for 2019-2020 home games, including special ticket packs that include Unique experiences or merchandise. For the best ticket locations, check out wild.com backslash ticks. That's wild.com backslash T I X. There's nothing like it. Wild hockey. We'll see you at the X. Okay, Greg. Let's start you off with this one. The Wild uh started the season and we're recording this on uh Tuesday. They played the the Oilers tonight. Started off uh two and six now for, for four points. W- what was your expectation? of this team having obviously missed the uh, playoffs a year ago. And do we expect, in in your mind, that this team is going to continue to scuffle and struggle throughout the season, or do you see a potential turnaround here as the season progresses? No,
1: I mean, I I didn't have the Wild as a playoff team. Um, I didn't think that they would be all that competitive in a uh, pretty competitive division and a very competitive conference. If there was one uh, caveat to that, It was that their underlying numbers defensively last season were quite good, uh, despite some goal that could be a little shaky here and there. And uh, even that didn't work uh, off the hop this year, where I think they were giving up an average of like four goals a game uh, to start the season. So that that part might have been at least a little surprising in the sense that it seemed like that was the one aspect of the team that you could depend on uh, being consistent year to year. Uh, so it's it's been a mess. <laughs> yes, it has. And, uh, and I, I think a lot of us kind of thought that uh, that it would be this season.
2: Hey, Greg, do you think the Wild really even need to be sellers at the deadline? Is this a team that, with the way it's constructed right now, does it can it just be what it is without even have to selling off assets to uh, embrace this tanking, if you will?
1: <laughs> well, are they, embrace the, are they embracing the tank? Is the real issue? I mean, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I thought that one of the more confusing aspects of the Paul Fenton affair was the idea that um, you know, that Craig Leopold still wanted to kind of push forward with the veteran group and sort of transition rather than rebuild when I think the writing was on the wall for this to be a rebuild. And I never quite understood that, you know? And and it seemed like when Fenton came aboard, that was immediately the the, the company line he was selling um and it just seemed to sort of defy the facts of where the wild were as a franchise at that moment. So, it, it, listen, from from an outsider's perspective, uh it's pretty easy to read the roster and see the the birth dates and uh and understand that it's a franchise that kind of needs to transition to the next thing, um and get younger and get quicker and uh and start to build something different. Uh but that's really not my decision or the fan's decision or Bill Guerin's decision at the end of the day, it's the, it's the decision of, of the ownership. Right. And uh, until that green light is, is, uh, is lit, it's hard to really say that any of us know for sure if this is going to be the kind of tank season that maybe it should be, you know?
0: And uh, yeah. And I think that Craig, it's been, he's made this uh, crystal clear time and time again. He does not want to tank, and part, part of the reason why he does not want to do that, obviously, is because of ticket sales and things like that. But the issue is, you know, Garen comes here, and I'm sure he sits down with a roster and looks at exactly what you did, which is birth dates and things. And so the thing that I, to go back to Fenton for, at first, too, the thing that I've always wondered about this is did Fenton and now does Garen have the ability to get to Craig and say we cannot or you cannot want to tank all you want but the reality is it's in this uh franchise's best interest long term to do that because you know we don't have dynamic players and those who were dynamic at one time now are 35
1: yeah and and that's why you start to wonder about the um the backgrounds of the of the two general managers that, that Leopold hired in the last couple of years. Um, both were assistants. Both had never run their own teams uh, outside of you know AHL affiliates. Uh, in both cases, it's not someone like, you know, to, to throw a name out there, a Ken Holland or like a, a Lou Lamarillo who's going to be able to walk into the office and flash a Stanley Cup ring and say, listen, this is how things should be. You know, I understand that you have your 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 feelings on ticket sales, and I understand that you have your feelings on, on the prestige of the franchise and not wanting to be a team that's, you know, in the basement of a league. Uh, but I know how these things need to work, and I know what this franchise needs, and you have to kind of ride with me on this. In hiring Bill Guerin, not to say that Bill Guerin is a pushover, I think Gar- Billy a, a, a been a, a really strong potential GM candidate for a long time with Pittsburgh. Um, but he's also a guy that that clearly is, still, you know, learning what it feels like to sit in the big chair and may not necessarily have the cachet to walk into the owner's office and say, Look, this is the reality of our surroundings and we have the tank, you know? So um, by virtue of the of the many's hired you'd have to say that uh, there isn't going to be that moment where the GM walks in and, and gives the owner a wake up call. I mean I think the owner is, is signaling in some ways that, uh, that, you know, it's still his highway, and, and, he's, and he's hiring people to kind of drive it.
2: Greg, do you think that this turnaround, too, can be maybe a little quicker than a typical rebuild? Like, do you think in maybe two to three years, if the Wild do make the right moves, and maybe they do hit in the draft lottery that—
0: And Kaprizov comes And
2: Kaprizov, obviously, being the biggest question right. mark, and, and the diamond in the rough here, do you think that actually it can be turned around maybe quicker than a traditional rebuild would take?
1: Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's a good thing. I mean, it, like you said with Capricell, it's not like they, they don't have at least some hope in the prospect pool. Um, but the thing, this, the, the, the the rapidness of a, uh, of a turnaround, I think has more to do with where the league is than, than anything else right now. I mean, it, you just see it time and time again where as you get younger and you get faster and you hit on a couple prospects and you find the right coach, uh, and you, and you get quality goaltending, you can quickly turn around uh, teams in a two-year span, you know, in a three-year span. You don't have to necessarily, you know, wallow in, in obscurity for the five years that it would usually take for teams to turn around in the past. You look at a team like the New York Rangers, for example, who, you know, basically wrote a, a letter to their fans only a couple years ago saying, yep. hey, you know, tough times are ahead. We're going to, you know, say goodbye to Ryan McDonough, say goodbye to Derek Stepan, say goodbye to all these players that you like uh, because we're going to have to kind of build this thing back up. Well, they develop a strong prospect pool in that span. Uh, they, you know, wind up with Capo Caco in the second overall pick, and then all of a sudden, you know, they've got all this money to go out and get Jacob Trouba and Artemi Panarin. And if the Rangers aren't contending by next season, it'd be kind of a surprise. So mm-hmm. you can you can do things kind of quickly in this league now, um, as long as you've managed your cap well, which is an entirely different conversation, obviously, with the Wild, and uh, and as long as you have a, a strong scouting apparatus and a and a robust prospect pool to do
0: it. All right, Greg, help me out here. Last week, the Wild plays Montreal there. They play another clunker. We all saw it, okay? Post-game, they meet, and then Zucker comes out of that and, and gives the comment that's been, and quote, that, that we've talked about a lot here, which is, we need to be better, but then he says Bruce does too. And basically, the only person, the only human he names individually is Bruce uh, Bruce Boudreaux. Help me out here. Did you read that quote, and I take it from your tweets, that you did as odd as I did, because there was an internal feeling here in the Twin Cities that it, it was not a big deal. But nothing I saw nationally from media or former players said, it's normal for the only person that gets called out when a team's playing this poorly is a head coach who, by the way, regularly goes to playoffs.
1: Yeah, it's insane. And I received, as you guys saw and noted, a lot of pushback on the idea that it's extraordinarily unusual and crosses a line if a player calls out his coach by name in any situation, in any sport. I mean, I, I go back to my days covering high school sports. If a player called out his coach on a Friday night after a football game, he's probably off the team by the next week. Like, it just doesn't happen. And, uh, and I, and I understand, I, I, you know, the wild fans that were giving me grief for it were talking about the catalyst for it, like he's clearly talking about everyone in the organization and, and, uh, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And he apologized. The very nature, the very virtue of the fact that he apologized for it to tell you that he felt uncomfortable about it. Um, and then you had wild fans talking about some Illuminati wild PR conspiracy where he was forced to apologize. It's all nonsense. You don't call out your coach in any, situation. Maybe when he's fired you do. Yeah. But if he's still in the job and the team is struggling as mightily as the Wild were struggling at that point, you certainly don't do it in that situation. You certainly don't do it by name. It was completely over the line. He was completely right to apologize. I'm not sitting here saying that Jason Zucker was doing it with malice. I'm not saying that he was doing it to get Boudreaux fired Mm -hmm. or anything like that. It was it was just a bad decision And, and the fact that he apologized and then Told the media he apologized. I think is indicative of the fact that he knows he crossed the line, and and that's the end of the story. I mean, I I don't I, don't, I have no idea how this thing became such a, a a touched you know a hot topic. I know you know the third derail of journalism when it's just a very <laughs>
0: situation. But here's the thing. So here's the one thing I don't get though. If they were really good and struggling, I might be like, okay, wow. And and Jason's right in in the fact that if everybody picks things up, right? Let's say everybody does better, they could be really good. But they're pretty much a bad team, so the, so this this nonsense of if we all no you're not that good it's okay too. This has been coming, uh, Greg, for like three years. Okay, they're getting older. They they've got bad contracts. Um, I I think starting with the fact that the owner thinks that they can win is misguided, and so the reality and it would have been harsh would have been to say guys we just might not be that good. We got to try better. But you know what? We're not that good. So it it's as if guys like Zach and Jason and Koivu operate from this is the wild circa 2015, and it's just not. They're just not that good a team. It's that simple.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, the bottom line for me is you just don't call your coach. I mean, I'm a I'm a New York Jets fan, unfortunately.
2: <laughs> oh, uh, my if, condolences. Yeah, seriously.
1: Yeah, if if Sam Darnold took a, a moment out of his, uh, his uh, spectral visions last night, and, uh, and, and told the media, yeah, you know, it would help if, if Adam could, you know, figure out how to get us to block a blitz. Like, you know, it'd be front-page news. Because you just don't, you don't talk about your coach. Coaches, by the way, are very, very hesitant, despite their reputation, to throw individual players under the bus. And I know this for a fact, because I've been trying to get them to do it for 20 years, <laughs> and rarely do they ever do it. Yep. So for the idea for a player to actually, you know, mention his coach by name, and, and offer any level of criticism to the media to the media is is nuts to me and and, and again like I understand that I don't I don't okay I don't understand how there's pushback from Wilds fans on it but I understand that there is it's cut and dry. he said it he apologized for it the apology is evidence enough that he knew it was the wrong thing to do.
2: I guess, Greg, uh, last one for you here. When you're looking at the NHL standings right now, who has been the biggest surprise to you, uh, whether they've been good or bad, and who is uh, still your pick maybe to win it all, even though we're still not even to Thanksgiving yet in the NHL calendar?
1: Well, I never everybody's going to say Edmonton and Buffalo, and I think those are the two, the two answers as far as like the most surprising good teams. Um, in Edmonton's case, I'm surprised that they could be carried as far as they've been carried by two guys, basically. Um, although I will say that their defensive structure has been a lot better under Dave Tippett, uh, their their offensive engine is still Drysdale and McDavid, and that start is is remarkable because of that. In Buffalo's case, I think we all really maybe slept on one the effect that Ralph Kruger was going to have on the team, two the effect that Mike Bales, your new goaltending coach, is going to have on their goaltending, which is top five right now, and three, you know, the fact that if you move some of those pieces around a little bit and it works, they might have a little bit more depth uh, than we thought they would. But in both cases, it's just it's just you know. Hiring the right guy. I mean, Tippett uh, is a good hockey coach, and and he's got Edmonton playing uh, better uh, systematically than Todd McClellan did. And Kruger not only is a a good coach, but also is just like... (laughs) I I covered the Sabres this week when they were coming through San Jose. Like They just rave about the kind of quality of human being that he is. And and to see a team that has been a mess with the longest playoff drought in the NHL uh, kind of coalesce around a, a coach that quickly... Uh, is is just indicative of you know how quickly things can change if you have the right guy behind the bench. Uh, you know this is not me trying to make some kind of a parallel comment about the Minnesota Wild, uh, but it is something to consider uh, uh, going forward.
0: Thanks, Greg. Great stuff. Appreciate the time.